Patient Advocate Foundation, we make a difference in people's lives. We live up to the challenge. We help them navigate the process, mediating the process, arbitrating the process, but most of all, caring about the individual person that calls. We look at one person at a time to help them resolve their issue. Welcome to another episode of Advocates in Action, a podcast created by the National Patient Advocate Foundation, a nonprofit that develops initiatives promoting equitable access to affordable quality healthcare through policy action and partnerships. I'm your host, Ashley Freeman. Today, I'm honored to speak with my colleague, Jackie Beard, who is a PAF case manager. In her free time, she enjoys spending time with her family, especially her grandson, finishing puzzles and drinking tea on her outdoor deck. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jackie. So tell us a little bit about what's your history with PAF? How long have you served on the team? I've been with PAF on September the 24th. It will be 18 years that I will be with the Patient Advocate Foundation. And my background is in social work. I'm a senior case manager. I dealt with the Virginia Cares Uninsured program where I did a lot of outreach, educating patients and providers, stakeholders about our services. As a case manager, my area of expertise is in social security disability where we help patients to expedite their disability claims and contacting the Department of Social Services, the Disability Determination Office, to determine whether their claim can be expedited based upon their medical diagnosis, whether they meet the compassionate allowance listing to have their claim expedited and not in a holding pattern for five to six months, which is the normal process for disability. So based upon their diagnosis, if they meet the criteria for the compassionate allowance listing, I mediate the calls and help them to navigate the process from getting their claim out of the holding status to be expedited where they can get approved for the benefits. And most of them are waiting for access to care. They're waiting to get some type of Medicare or Medicaid to uh, start their treatment. So if we can get their claim expedited, then, you know, needless to say, it's a bonus, it's a plus for the patient to the bottom line is also to get funding because lots of times when they lose their job, they have no income and they need that disability to live off of. So we see a lot of times that they're their only source of income and there's no, you know, spouse or other providers in the home. So their medical bills suffer. So we, again, try to expedite those applications to get financial assistance in the home, also to get Medicaid, Medicare, so they can start their treatment. Wow. And for people who aren't familiar with exactly what a disability claim is and and how that helps people, you know, can you explain a little bit about what that is and and how that is so crucial to, to people's lives? Yeah, Social Security Disability, there's two benefits that we focus on, SSI, which is Supplemental Security Income, or SSDI, Social Security Disability Insurance. There's several programs to Social Security, but when helping our patients, we focus on those programs because it, again, helps the patient to, when they're not able to work because of their chronic life-threatening illness, It'll help them to, again, access income without being able, you have to be disabled, unable to work for 12 months, if not longer, resulting in debt. 
possibly your diagnosis. So we do a lot of education because people do not know what disability is about and, you know, how to navigate the process. I just had a patient that um, her Medicare B was stopped at one point because she went back to work. She did have health insurance coverage. She was waiting for her treatment diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. So she was not able to start her treatment because she didn't have the part B, which consists of having a doctor visit to, uh, that would allow her to get either chemo or radiation. So I mediated a call. She said that the disability worker was not helping her, the social security worker, excuse me, was not helping her, was ignoring her calls. So I helped her to navigate the process by uh, doing that call to the Social Security office, connected with the lady. She immediately accepted my call, and I was able to get her connected with the lady that was able to contact her employer and was able to get proof that she did have health insurance coverage. And her Medicare started immediately. Once the Social Security office was able to get that missing information and was ignoring the lady for three months, she applied in March and was trying to call her repetitively and she would ignore her calls. She even got rude with the patient and she said, you were on the phone and it made such a drastic difference. She was so nice to me. She was like, what happened to this lady? I said, well, we don't want to make her mad. Let's just try to get what we need. And she called me back less than an hour and said, I heard back from the Social Security rep. I've been approved for my Medicare B and I was able to help her to get it reinstated. The worker immediately called her employer and was able to get the employee form that is needed to prove that she had health insurance coverage. So she was able to enroll in the special enrollment that would allow her to get her Medicare B uh, instated to start her treatments. That's amazing. And why is it that, you know, once you were a part of the situation, things started moving, but when the patient was trying to do it by themselves, you know, they kept hitting a wall of not getting, you know, their calls returned and and not receiving the answers. You know, what, what really do you and other case managers bring to the table as that, that missing magical piece? I think just being that they hear that word advocate. They hear another person on the line that they believe maybe have some clout or some authority. And we do in in some instances because we do, we're there to, to advocate on that patient's behalf and to get them what they're needing. So I think just being that person that they feel that PAF may have some type of authority, someone on the line that can hear the rudeness or hear that, you know, hey, I don't want to be bothered. It's not a good day. But actually, okay, we're here, we, we need to get this ball moving for this patient. She needs her treatment, so what can we do to help her? What missing documents do we need to help get her from A to B? The bottom line is to get her treatment. I don't really know if that's it, but I do get that a lot. by Just by you, the Patient Advocate Foundation, being on the phone, it made a difference. So we do hear that a lot. What advice would you give to patients or caregivers who are listening to this who are trying to apply for disability coverage, you know, or or Medicare and are walking through this path on their own? Um, You know, you as a source of knowledge who does this day in and day out, uh, what's some advice that you can share with them? 
Well, there's three ways that you can apply. Well, right now, because of COVID, normally you would be able to go into the local office and apply on your own. But because of COVID, the Social Security office have been closed. But there is a telephone interview where you can um, call Social Security, request a telephone interview. They'll give you a date and time that you're going to meet to complete the application over the phone. And that process can take over an hour to complete that application. It's very detailed. It's very lengthy. So they're asking for the name, address, and phone numbers of your providers, a list of your medication, including the dosage, uh, a 15-year work history. And that can take um, a long time, over an hour, to complete that application. It's very detailed, cumbersome. And, you know, we do assist the patients with completing the application. And uh, also the patient can apply online and we can, as case managers, assist them with completing the disability um, application on the Social Security website. Sometimes when people think of Social Security or disability, they have this image in their head of someone who is older. But what has been your experience? You know, what are the demographics of the patients that you've served? all ages we deal with children you mm. just you have to have a chronic life-threatening illness to apply for social security you have to have an impairment that qualifies you to be out of work if you're an adult for 12 months if not longer but even a child we have uh, completed disability applications for children if they're a student a high school student they impairment prevents them from going to school because they're going through treatment and unable to attend classes. But Social Security also have a compassionate allowance listing that allows certain claims to be fast-tracked and expedited. They do not have to wait. The waiting period is five to six months to be approved for disability benefits, but for certain medical diagnoses, they can be expedited or fast-tracked if their medical diagnosis fall within this compassionate allowance listing. And that is on the Social Security website. You can pull it up. It's over 100 different medical diagnoses that qualifies. Being with an organization for 18 years <laughs> is, a, is a very long time. Um, so clearly there is something that makes you passionate about this work, you know, and, and keeps you going. So what is that? You know, what personally drives you to do what you do? Well, I love helping. My background is in social work. I have a bachelor's in social work and I love helping others. I love that reward of fulfilling what you need, trying to resolve your issues. Our job can be complex and cumbersome at times because the nature of the people calling in, they have levels of needs. It's not just, it used to be when I first started, help me to apply for disability, help me with my utility bill. Well, now it's help with your rent or your mortgage or utility bills. It's very complex, but just love helping people when it's rewarding to me when I feel that I have helped you. I, I just, my nature is wanting to help. And I feel awful when I cannot help because there is times when we cannot as case managers help everyone and resolve their issue. But I'm going to do my best to help you. Whatever you're calling about, I'm going to try to resolve it and you know, get help you mediate, negotiate, or arbitrate, whatever you're needing. And I'm going to do my best. But just having that passion for wanting to help others. I mean, it's not the empathy. 
I don't think anyone can teach you that. It's innate. It's within you to have that um, nature of wanting to help others. And I just love it. And it's rewarding. It can be challenging, but it also can be rewarding at the same time. Like you said, it can be challenging at some times. And so what is the... What is the normal timeline or time period that it usually takes to get these cases resolved? Because it seems like it, it can be a lot of back and forth, a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what does that process and timeline usually look like? Well, it depends on what they're calling about. If you're waiting for Social Security to be approved, again, you're trying to access medical records. And like you stated, you're going back and forward. You're calling the doctor's office, the hospitals to request these medical records. And, you know, it, it can take uh, quite a length of time. They may need help with their utility bills because they're out of work. So you have to call their mortgage company to maybe request a forbearance. Uh, maybe their mortgage can be postponed or for three months, or maybe they can get a reduction in their mortgage payments. So we look into that as case managers trying to help them, contacting and helping them to apply for the low income energy assistance program, the LAHEAP program, to help them with their utility bills because, again, they're they're out of work. They're the only, they're the breadwinners for the family. So you have to try to help them to, you know, get food on the table, maybe apply for food stamps for them doing the online application and just seeing what other programs that they are potentially eligible for. Say if they have um, pancreatic cancer, there may be um, a program that could help them um, to apply for the National Pancreatic Grant, you know, so we try to find resources that can help them in the interim while waiting for their disability benefits. From what you shared, it's evident that it's more than just applying for disability. You know, when we first started the conversation, mm -hmm. that's how you explained your job. But now you're explaining all of these peripheral needs, you mm -hmm. know, like rent, um, mortgage, groceries, um, mm -hmm. that people don't typically think about when you think right. of healthcare or disability. Right. It's like very one track right. minded, but you're, you're explaining that there are all of these other needs and impacts um, that a person, you know, losing that capability to work has on, on their life overall, the quality of their life. Right. And it's also applying for the Medicaid because maybe they lost their health insurance coverage because they don't can't afford the premium. Once you terminate from that job, you may be eligible for COBRA. We also look at applying for the health insurance marketplace for them. We do look at helping them review plans online. We never dictate to them what plan to get. The bottom line for when reviewing those plans, we want to make sure their doctors in network, their providers in network, their Medicaid are covered. So it's reviewing the plans through the health insurance marketplace to make sure they're going to get the maximum benefit that they're needing, that they won't be stuck with a lot of medical bills. We also may assist them with applying for the financial assistance program through the hospitals to see if they're eligible for the financial charity care program through the hospitals. Sometimes providers will write the bills off depending on the hospital, the facility, sometimes they will not. So we'll call the provider's office and say, hey, the hospital approved this patient for a 100% charity discount. Um, are you willing to discount the patient's medical bill? And depending on the provider, some will and some will not. 
Sounds like to me, you and the rest of the case managers are masters at problem solving and finding solutions. Yes, <laughs> I would definitely 100% agree with that. You have to think outside of the box of how to help the patient. We never say, here's a number, call on your own. It's if they need to call, we need to call United Way. We need to call Catholic Charities. We need to call um, Salvation Army any local community resource. There may be national ones that can help them. The bottom line is how can I help my patient? Yeah. And how do you find these resources and solutions? Like you just rattled off of a bunch of them, but I didn't even know any of those names. So how do you, you know, build up this this resource directory? Well, we do have a um, that national directory for case managers that we have um, online built in our computer system. But with 18 years, you kind of know those names of those places to call and you kind of like remember, oh, we need to call here. We didn't try this place, but let's try here. Uh, If they're looking for lodging, we know that there's Joe's house to help with lodging to get a discount if they're going to, if they live in Louisiana and going to Texas, MD Anderson. So we do a lot of Googling to to find, oh, I didn't know you exist. So we'll mediate that conference call with the patient to the uh, local or national charity to see if there's assistance that can be provided to them. And are there any special stories or people that you remember helping uh, that stand out to you that you wanted to share about? Yes, my patient that um, was so rewarding. Because you can help people sometime. You can have their case for a month, if not longer. They don't ever, some of them do not say thank you. But this person, she came back. Um, she lived in Florida, healthy young lady that was working and had no health issues. She only had three people in her job, so her job did not offer health insurance coverage. She had a yellowing of her skin. Her eyes turned yellow. Needless to say, she went to the emergency room and found out she had hepatitis C. So I think she was in her early 50s. So young lady, very beautiful because she sent a picture of herself. Uh, Have no health challenges and all of a sudden diagnosed with hep C. So she was like, what do I do? I need to be in treatment. The medication's going to be expensive. Uh, She went to the emergency room. She had no primary care physician. So I assisted her with finding a doctor, a provider, you know, was able to connect her the very same day where she set up an appointment with a provider's office, a local clinic in her community that uh, she was able to see a doctor within that week. She had an appointment scheduled and she's going to be charged on her sliding skill fee based upon her income. Not only did I find her a doctor, but she was able to find insurance coverage. And she was ecstatic because she didn't know how to begin the process, what steps to take. And I was able to navigate her through the process and walk her through each step looking for the insurance plan. And she sent a letter uh, back and uh, along with her picture, just being so ecstatic, so thankful. Yeah, that was, again, very rewarding for me because she didn't know what to do, what steps to take. I was able to not only walk her through the steps, but hold her hand through the process, basically. I love the wording that you used. You said, I was able to hold her hand through it, you know, and that just shows the power of PAF and Mm -hmm. how we do focus on 
holding people's mm-hmm. hands, you know, not yeah. just throwing information at yeah. them and having them do it on their own, but walking mm-hmm. them through the process yeah. together collaboratively. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what we do as case managers. We don't just say, here's a resource, call them. We're mediating those conference calls with them. We're on a website looking for the insurance plans that benefit their pocket because we know if their premium is um, $500 or the deductible is $5,000, they're not going to meet the deductible. Their insurance won't pay because, you know, they can't afford it. So they're still not getting the treatment. So, we're going to make sure that you can find something affordable, whether it's the premium, whether it's the deductible. And again, educating them because a lot of people don't know the difference between a premium and deductible. I just have insurance. Well, we want to make sure you're you're getting the best bang for your buck with the insurance that was chosen. We want to make sure that, you know, you just don't have health insurance. That insurance is going to pay for you. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of education that you do yeah, also in your job, yeah. as yeah. well as advocating on people's behalf. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely. And do you have any personal life experiences, you know, with the healthcare system that really keeps you connected to doing this work, you know, and not getting burnt out, but constantly having that heart to serve people? Um, Because usually in these types of fields, I feel like people always have, you know, a deeper personal connection to the work that they do. Yeah, um, you know, having my husband of 30 years, Pastor Charles Beard, that passed, um, of a heart attack, suddenly one Sunday he's preaching, that Monday evening he was gone, you know. So um, just knowing how it, it is to lose two sisters of cancer, one very recently this past March, who passed quickly of cancer, and just, you know, knowing that these this real life, it, the hurt is real, you know, the, the loss is real, the going through the issues of cancer and other medical diagnosis, uh, uh, heart disease, it's real. So um, having, knowing firsthand what it is to lose loved ones, um, I can empathize with others. I, again, want to help resolve their issues because life is real. It happens to all of us. And, you know, you just want to be there for the patients to help them to get through it and as best as possible. So, yeah. It's, you know, just living life and living through it and knowing that you can get on the other side of it with God's help. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I'm sorry to hear about those losses and grief and condolences to your whole family, you know, and it's truly admirable that in the midst of it all, you are able to use your testimony and life's challenges to fuel you to help someone else. You know, and I think that's the heart of PAF, people like you who serve tirelessly, you know, and as we reflect on this 25th anniversary of PAF and look forward towards the future, what would you like listeners to know about our organization? You know, why should people contact us to utilize our services or share our resources with their loved ones? Because I do have a team of co-workers that care. I do have myself that care. I do have, um, looking back at Nancy and Jack Ennis, the prime examples of why Patient Advocate Foundation started in the first place. And just having, uh, knowing that 
we can make a difference. We are a team that love people, that love helping others and, you know, co-workers that I can count on and, you know, vent to and ask questions to if needed. That Patient Advocate Foundation, we make a difference in people's lives. We live up to the challenge. We help them navigate the process, mediating the process, arbitrating the process, but most of all, caring about the individual person that calls. We look at one person at a time to help them resolve their issue and just move to the next person, the next patient, and just being there. I love it. I love what I do, and I'm thankful to be a part of the team of Patient Advocate Foundation. I'm Ashley Freeman, and thanks for listening to this episode of Advocates in Action. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. We enjoy connecting with our listeners, so please visit our website at npaf.org slash podcast for show notes, resources, and ways to engage with us on social media. Thanks for listening.